Welcome to Solo Network. I'm Jason Chow, video manager for Solo Network. Um, and I'm sitting down with Larissa and Baldwin, uh, who are the one of the subjects and the writer-director for uh, Far East Deep South, a documentary that explores your grandfather's origin or your grandfather's life uh, in Mississippi. Um, for those of you who are watching uh, and haven't seen the film yet, we will probably be spoiling some things, so I encourage you to go and watch it first uh, and then uh, enjoy this amazing conversation. Uh, so first of all, I just want to say the movie is fantastic. I cried like seven times. All right. <laughs> and I like, did not have tissues nearby, so I was like, where are my tissues? I want to know, you know, what was that first moment where you're like, hey, let's explore this origin story yeah i don't think we i mean my, my brother wanted to go out and, and just figure out where um take, take a trip to mississippi and that was like kind of a 40th anniversary gift uh, or, or idea for my parents but the idea really didn't come until we rediscovered this grave site which we never knew, knew about my see going back a little further my dad never talked about his father i never had a grandfather and it really wasn't until my daughter was born that I kind of saw that relationship between a grandfather and a grandchild. So we weren't making, we had no intention of making a documentary. We were just going out there just to see what we could discover. Or really, we just, we went out there to go pay respects to a gravesite. We thought, oh, we'd be lucky if we find the gravesite. And if we found anything else, um, that's just, you know, icing on top. Um, and we ended up finding a whole lot more um, as yeah. people who watch the film. That's that's why we made the film. They're watching our journey with us as it happens. And especially walking into the Chinese uh, museum there, the Mississippi Delta Heritage. Chinese Heritage Museum. Yes, it's very long. <laughs> but I was thinking, why is there a Chinese museum in the middle of Mississippi when we walked in? And then we see all these photos and all these artifacts from all these Chinese families and the history over generations. And I'm like, wait a second, there's a significant population here to warrant a museum. How come we didn't learn about this? Mm -hmm. You know, when I learned that Chinese kids had to be segregated, had to attend their own school um, because they weren't white, um, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. We all learned about segregation and we all learned about the American South and nowhere did I know Asians were part of this equation. And that really, in my mind, um, recast kind of history, the way we learned it um, differently. And I was like, there's a lot that's left out, isn't there? And so we started to plunge forward and realize the personal story and the historical significance of what we discovered and was important to tell more of the world. I like how you said Asians weren't part of that equation because usually they, you know, correlate that with math. But we're not. We're not. <laughs> oh, I was like saying. Yeah. I thought you were trying to rap. No, I wasn't trying to rap because you're the rapper. I'm the singer. But I also wasn't trying to make a an Asian persuasion. An Asian persuasion. persuasion. <laughs> All across this nation. Um, I didn't want to stereotype our people. <laughs> We're not just about equations. We're just doing all kinds of stereotype breaking today. Um, and the film takes so many twists and turns, um, which are incredible and powerful. And again, I encourage you to watch. I want to know, like, for you, because it took place over, you know, it wasn't just one weekend that you guys were right. Emotionally, as you were learning these things, how did it kind of change your understanding of your own family or your own identity? Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, the film starts off with, with the line that says, like, hey, uh, when people start meeting me, when the people meet me for the first time, they ask me, hey, where are you from, right? And I'm like, oh, born in San Francisco, raised in Sacramento. And, of course, then we always get the question, well, where are you really from? 
And I think most of my life, I was always grass, gra you know, grappling with that, um, with that comment because where am I really from? I'm not really from China. I think I'm from San Francisco. But as we got older and, and, and once we've discovered this, we're like, well, uh, maybe I'm not the first one in my family to really, right? To be here. What, how did these people end up in Mississippi from multiple generations ago? And what does that do to me now? What does that do to our family? Does it redefine what our identity is here in America? Um, and I think that how we felt about ourselves just kind of evolved and changed throughout this entire process. Because, yeah, it didn't take a week. It's like five, six years of... Oh, yeah, discovery. I mean, there was their first trip to Mississippi. Things happened like there were so many things that happened in the span of just like a day, and and that's kind of what the catalyst was. Was like, oh my gosh, we were just so happy to find everything, and it, that was amazing in and of itself. But then, as you see with the rest of the film, it's like there were even more surprises and more discoveries. That you know, it really. I mean, even for me, I wouldn't, I'm not even the family member, but as an Asian American, to see myself in history, I think growing up, you know, I took AP history, you know, learned about all the things that happened in this country and I never felt a connection to it and you know and in my mind I, I thought the American South you can't get more American than that and I was like wait we were there you know we were not just there we were a significant part of it and so you know it's been very eye-opening for me as an Asian American to also learn that not just the Mississippi Delta but Asians have been throughout the country you know, not just Chinese, you know, Korean, Japanese, Filipinos, you know, Indians. I mean, we have been a part of the fabric of, our, of this country for so long, but yet our histories have been excluded. And so for me, it was really important to, to start to see myself as belonging, knowing that I have deep history, or not even just me, but other people, you know, that our ancestors had deep history in this country. Yeah, and that history is so important uh, in a Christian context, right? Our most of the Bible is history, right? It's just is learning about our history uh, as a faith people. Um, and the film isn't explicitly Christian, but there are so many glimmers uh, in it that I'm like, anybody who's a Christian, you know, is going to be blessed by it. Uh, but for you personally, how did that journey of discovering things, these things, how did that kind of resonate with your faith, grow your faith, or vice versa? Um, you know, for me, I think it was learning about my dad more because in the film, you'll see interviews with my father. Um, the truth of the matter is, I was not there for those interviews because growing up, he would never talk to me about it. He didn't even really explain to me how he became a believer. Um, so I just had some makeshift story about, ah, he was trying to get out of chores during the Air Force, and he just didn't want to do his chores, so he went to chapel service instead, and eventually became a Christian, right? But in the film, it kind of explains how he really wrestled with being fatherless. And I think that resonates so much uh, with a lot of people. You don't have to be in the church to wrestle with fatherlessness, right? So many people, unfortunately, in this world um, don't have a strong relationship with their father or may not even have a relationship with their father. So I think that story of God uh, being his father when he didn't have a father his entire life, um, that has impacted uh, the way we look. I look at my father now and to look at and to better understand, you know, like, what he had to go through and why he did certain things and it gave me a better understanding of, of our entire family. I think for me, you know, if I didn't already have a strong belief in God, which I already did, I think the events that happened fortified my, my belief that God was a providential God and, and that was the God, the God is really the author of all our histories. Um, and you know, you just don't find, slight spoiler alert, you don't find a Bible in the middle of Mississippi. 
and a Chinese Bible. A Chinese yeah. Bible. And you know, we always say it's like it could have been some other random book, but it was a Bible. And that was, you know, the first tip off that it's like, okay, this is more than just a family vacation. And then all these other things started happening. And the sequence of the things that started happening. If I had written this as a fictional narrative film, nobody would believe me. Like, people would think everything was contrived. It's so melodramatic, you know. And, like, the things that happened, because it's a documentary, it really happened to our family. All the discoveries. Um, and in, in some sense, like, in that sequential order, it's like, just when you think you found something, it's like, wait, there's more. And... And there's even stuff we didn't even include in the film that we discovered that was pretty amazing, but we, we, we figured we, it was enough discoveries to, like, give the audience that it started to become, like, okay, really? Like, guys? So behind the scenes, there were even more discoveries that we found that were pretty awesome. I can't wait for that featurette and all the <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes stuff. Um, I think for me, like, right after I watched it, um, I had so many questions about my dad's life growing up. My mom was a little bit more vocal, but even then I had so many questions about my grandfather. As you've started to roll the film out and shown people, what is the response that you've gotten in terms of the movement of people after watching it? I think, um, you know, we really wanted to start, we started this when we made our short film, Finding Cleveland, which was just based on the first day's experience in, in Mississippi. And when we started touring the country with Finding Cleveland, as we were continuing making Far East Deep South, um, we found that there were more people that are willing to talk to each other. One of the things we really advocated was that the generationals, that the generations uh, spoke with each other. We tried to make them multi-generational events, doing a little bit of music and hip-hop, concert and a little band sometimes, with a short film about history. So we could bring both communities together and then hopefully have this discussion about talking to your grandparents, talking to your father, talking to your children, your grandkids. Um, and we really hope that with Far East Deep South, it expands that story and encourages people to see like, wow, if we would just talk to each other and talk to our family members, look how much more information we could possibly find about our own families, how many significant items or, or discoveries could we find. And um, especially here in America, like, what if more Asian Americans found out how American they really are? Uh, I think that would be really I think the other thing that was, that was really amazing about this journey is the fact that, um, you know, I think the Asian American church too, a lot of times we're very fragmented. You know, you've got your Korean or your Chinese service and then you've got your English ministry and, you know, it's youth ministry and there's been so many times where, you know, we'd, we'd go and do, do a screening of our film and people are like, oh, we're just going to invite the youth. Oh, but I think the parents need to watch this too, or vice versa. It's like, oh, this is just for the adults. We're not going to invite the youth. We're like, well, no, I think they should come, where this is really something to bring the generations together. And I think a lot of times in the context of the Asian American church, we don't see ministry as the whole church. We see them in fragments, like youth, you know, adults, and young senior adults. citizens, <laughs> young adults, you know, um, English-speaking, non-English-speaking, you know. And so I think that's something that, that we hope inspires um people to, again, think more holistically and multi-generationally because all the issues with generation gaps and cultural gaps, like, we hope this is, and we've heard stories of how this has opened up conversations for, you know, for Baldwin himself, like, understanding his father better, you know, understand his father's immigrant experience, and it's an unusual immigrant experience because it's also laced with 
an American experience. And the stuff I think your father got to understand you a little bit better because where you were like, I'm the American one. And he re your father realizes, oh my gosh, I'm really American too. <laughs> and so there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful journey, I think, between the generations that we've you know, seen through the film that we've heard from other people that are like, you know what? I've talked to my parents. I've been able to talk a little bit more about like our story. Um, and then the other thing that I think I realized in this journey too is the response is that we've had people say like, oh, how'd your family become a Christian? And these are non-believers because we take for granted that Asians are Christians. I mean, we grew up, we both grew up in the church. Asians and, can be Christians. Or Asians <laughs> can be Christians. Like, you know, those, those who are watching, like a lot of you might have grown up in church, right? But there's a whole section of the United States because all they see is like white Christians. And so their stereotype of a Christian is white person. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they'll think like black church, but they never think like, oh, Asians can be Christians. Oh, they're Buddhists, you know, they're ancestor worshipers, or they're just not Christians. And so it's been able to open up a whole conversation with people who are, who are not believers that there is a strong historical presence of Asian Christians, um, not just in the world, but in America. And that also just leads to just the fact that we've encouraged um, the church and, and you know, Asian American Christians, like, tell your stories. Because that's as valid as your own personal testimony, as your family testimonies. Because, you know, we go to different museums or Asian, you know, museums and we're like, there's not anything talking about the presence and the history of Asian American Christians. And if we don't tell those stories and start documenting that, then that history is going to be lost and people are never going to know that Asian American Christians existed a hundred years down the line. So those are the types of things, like the responses, like making our community think about the ways we can tell our stories and make it permanent, um, not just to each other in, on a personal family basis, but even as a community. Mm -hmm. And as you were crafting that story from all this footage, and as you mentioned, right, lots of other footage that isn't cut in there, what was kind of your guiding, like, through line of saying, this is the, the theme of this story from start to finish that we're trying to cut down to? It was the family story. Um, I mean, that was the strongest element, especially when we did test screenings of the film. I mean, there was probably like, or probably like 50 to 100 like different edited versions of the film. Yeah, it's a good reason, it's good, it's a good right, um, reason that she's the director and not me, because I was really like history focused. For me, my fascination was the history. I just wanted to keep it all academic, you know, like, like bring in all the professors, bring in the talking heads, bring in the authors, right? Tell us more about what was going on in this time and you can just sprinkle in our family. But uh, Larissa was like, no, we got to flip that. <laughs> yeah, and a part of it is, I think, what, what was the breakthrough for me, because, you know, when we first constructed the film, it was all about the events, like, oh, this is an amazing discovery, it's about the discovery. And really, it was, the discovery was part of it, but really, it was about his father, and almost like, I joke about it, it's like his therapy session. It's, it was him reconnecting with his father. And in a sense, like, we sent Baldwin and his father on this, kind of think about it like a road trip, if you think about that trope of a, of a film. It's like we send this father and son on this journey um, to discover their past together. And through that process, they grow in their relationship with you. They grow in their relationship with each other and their better understanding of one another. And, you know, your father comes to know his father through this history that we discover. Um, so that was the most important element. And any history and anything else that we, we, you know, we discovered along the way had to connect to their family story. And it was very powerful. Um, I know in a lot of Asian American contexts, we've talked about this intergenerational divide, this gap. There can tend to be this kind of hopelessness regarding distant fathers, um, which I kind of felt, you know, was there in that film. As you have 
you know, experienced this, what is your encouragement to people who they're like, oh, my dad's never going to share it. My dad, I'm not never going to know these things about my dad. Well, I mean, I would, I would say the hope would be that you don't have to be that dad. You know, um, first of all, we should try. We should, we should let, let the older, you know, let our older relatives understand like, hey, I want to know, right? If they're still available, I want to know. And I realize that there's a lot of things I don't know because I'm not you. I don't have the same experiences as you. I would like to let you know that I appreciate you, but I, I would like to know what are those things that you have done. Tell me your story, right? Hopefully they'll tell the stories and hopefully, hopefully a film like ours can be a catalyst for those stories to be told. But if not, um, I would say understand that we, we at least have an opportunity to not be that way to our children. Um, to, to be able to share our own stories. So, okay, well this is what I know of our past. This is what I know about my life. As we raise our children, be open with them. Let them know that, hey, it's okay sometimes to apologize. I, I mean, I try not to apologize all the time to my daughter because I don't want her to think that I'm always wrong. But when I am wrong, I say sorry. Um, but I try to explain things, you know. And I think, I think um, we can still learn from our fathers and grandparents that may not have talked just by our experience with them to understand what are those things that we wish we, we could have had different with them and how can I change that today. I think what we've learned too is that as parents, you know, we've asked our daughter like, oh, how was your day? You know, how do you feel about this? We just real recognize like growing up, our parents never asked us like how we felt, right? They just told us like what to do or like what did you do? You know, did you finish your homework? And then we don't in turn ask our parents how they feel. You know, we're asking even the way Walden phrases <laughs> it like, oh, what was, what did you do? You know, how did you come here? You know, I think I was able to kind of unlock um, a little bit more in, in Baldwin's dad's story is one, you know, I was an outside person. Sometimes the trick is you maybe need some outside help or, you know, to, to unlock those stories. But it's like I asked him, you know, oh, what was it like? You know, you know, was it like I asked him how he felt about it as opposed to what happened. <laughs> and, and sometimes I think, you know, maybe our parents might be taken aback and going like, asking me about how I feel you know we, we have to stop it's like we never got asked how we felt and we never ask our parents how they feel and because we're Asian <laughs> and that's just not in our language but maybe that's part of it is that we should start asking each other even though it might be weird and uncomfortable at first it's like parents have feelings too and so it's getting to the heart of like how do they feel and honestly at the end of the day I think all parents um, especially immigrant ones they want you to know that they sacrificed and they did go through a lot so they could provide a better life and that they love you because of everything that they've done. Yeah, and I think that's one of the powers of being the in-law, right? Like, I've discovered with my wife's parents, like they will tell me so much more than she has ever known and my parents tell her stuff. I think that's also one of the powers of the church, right? That the church can be this place where someone other than your child or your dad is asking you about your story. Um, I would love to kind of hear, you know, as this film has been rolling out, what is your struggles and triumphs with trying to get churches, and a lot of Asian American churches are not used to using films as part of their ministries, what's that journey been like of trying to get Asian American churches to see the value of this film? I guess the first struggle right now since we're in this pandemic, the last you know, 15 months have been, we couldn't do anything really with the churches. Um, but the good thing was that some of the churches found ways to go virtual. And since we're, a lot of churches were doing that, it actually gave a little bit more accessibility. 
um, it's, we've been able to get, get churches to understand, like, hey, why don't we do a, a screening event, and maybe we can watch the film, and we can zoom in and do a discussion, and it could be one of your, it doesn't have to be a service, but it could be one of these, you know, uh, side, side, you know, events that, that maybe like a fellowship type of thing. So I think those are opportunities that we would like to see more of, and um, I think churches might feel more comfortable with that. Um, hopefully, once the, the you know things are reopening, um, you know what we did with finding Cleveland was we were able to finally get the churches to understand like, hey, these are community events. Uh, let's open up the church and bring the community in. And you know, a lot, most churches have a great sound system, great AV system, right? It's, you got big words and graphics on screen. You're set up to run a movie. Right? You don't have to go to a movie theater, you just go into a church and you can have really nice sound and <laughs> a really nice movie. So, you know, getting, getting a church is to, to, to be able to better understand that. I mean, we, we had some experiences with that too, right? Well, and I would say, so we did a 14-minute short film, Finding Cleveland, you know, as we've mentioned, that is about the first trip that we took to Mississippi. And this was done like four or five years ago. We were touring the country and we had a lot of interest from Asian American groups and advocacy groups, did a lot of screens. And we did work with a few churches, but it was a challenge because one of the things that people kept saying in the church was, your film's not Christian enough. We had never in the history of doing either the first film or, or Aria's Deep South had any non-Christians, and we've aired on PBS, like, no, your film's too Christian. No one's ever said that to us. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we find a Bible in the middle of Mississippi, and in our film, Aria's Deep South, there's, there's, you know, his father's testimony, and there's, I'm like, I, you know, people need to find, a lot of churches want to, like, call to Jesus, gospel message. And that's not our film. You know, we wanted to make a film that everyone, regardless of your faith background um, and your ethnicity, could watch. But the interesting thing is, because Finding Cleveland happened in a pre-COVID world, all of a sudden, after COVID happened and there was this anti-Asian sentiment starting to creep up um, um, with the, the coronavirus being blamed on our community or the Chinese community and everybody Asian that gets confused with Chinese, and then we had the civil unrest that happened with George Floyd, where this, even though a lot of this, the issues um, in the black community had been happening, it just all of a sudden the spotlight was on it during, during COVID. And, and now we started having Asian churches approaching us because in our new film, Far East Deep South, we show the intersection between the Chinese and the black community and the very respectful relationship that they had in the Mississippi Delta. And also the fact that they were all in the same boat. They, both couldn't live in white neighborhoods. They both were subject to Jim Crow laws. And there was a shared history there that all of a sudden we are seeing a little bit of a change. Like some of the struggles before where churches were like, oh, we're not interested in learning about the discrimination against Asians, you know, or even the black community, you know. But now in this, in this post-COVID world, we've actually had churches go like, can you help us figure this out? Like, what does this mean? Our, our congregation is asking and, and trying to make sense of the anti-Asian sentiment. And so because we didn't learn this in our history books, like, you know, now we have an opportunity with a film like ours that's a safe for, you know, a church knowing that Christians are behind it. It's like, look, we can have these conversations. You can, you know, navigate this because I know this is like new territory. So, yeah, as it's been rolling out in churches, oh, and this is what you're talking about in terms of finding that Asian American identity, um, what is those revelations? How do you think like this story and as this particular moment in our now current history, how is Asian American identity being shaped within and outside of the church? Yeah, well, I think one of the things is I think our community hasn't had a very strong discussion of, of what that means. You know, I think a lot of times we end up 
thinking about the immigrant identity, right? Especially if you're talking about Asian American churches, which really were mission churches, right? If you think about the historic, you know, these, the, whether it's the Korean American church or the Chinese American church, they were started as mission churches to reach new immigrants that came to this country. And so where a lot of them are wrestling with that identity is now that our kids have been born in America and grow up, you know, some of them are leaving or some of them are still in the church, but what does that mean? And so I think that, that as a community, there is kind of going back to the original roots. And, and some churches are doing it. I'm not saying there are no you know, Asian American churches that are, are reaching the community. But it's, it's rather than being insular, it's like thinking about what's happening in the news today. How do we as a community address this anti-Asian racism? How do we change that? How can we be part of informing the, the community at large, and I think that's where it is. We have to educate ourselves about our history, about um, our communities, and how to translate that for non-Asians, and maybe engaging, because I, mean, I think part of the problem is that when we've been so insular, or even in the sense where we sometimes use language where we don't feel like we belong. And so if we use language where we feel like we don't belong, how can we expect others to accept us that we belong. You know, like for instance, my parents would always say like, oh, the Americans this, Americans that. Like, and I always knew they meant, you know, non-Asians, right? They wouldn't mean us. But I'm like, all of us are American citizens. I was born here. How can we keep referring to other people as Americans? Like, that's <laughs> us. And so I think as a community, we have to start making sure we're like, we recognize that, yes, we are a part of the American community. And to make a better effort, I think, as, as a church to do, to, out, to do outreach and do partnerships with non-Asian groups. Um, and, and not just churches, but in the community. Because we're talking about the people in the community that are ones that are maybe having the attacks and the xenophobia. And we have to build those bridges. And so as a church, I think this is the time for us to rise up and be more engaged. Yeah, and I think, you know, our, the, the Asian American church can really take a lesson, learn a lesson from the black church. If you look at the history of the black church, um, a lot of the, the black leaders that you see today, especially in politics and advocacy, came out of the black church. And basically they said, we're going to take the lead. We're going to be the ones that are going to fight. In the, you know, the church is gonna, are going to be the ones that take leadership into fighting the, these injustices. And now we're in, a prime, we, we're, in a, we're in a situation right now where the Asian American churches have an opportunity to take that lead. To say, like, we need to lead this conversation. We need to let people know who we are. We need to do it in a loving way that God will, will be able to use and bless everyone with, not just our community. And we need to bring out leaders within the API churches, right? And say, okay, let's lead the conversation now. We are professional Asian Americans. We know what it's like to be an Asian American. We know what our struggles are. We know where we need to be at. So let's lead this conversation with other people, other community groups and take those leadership positions and start speaking out and saying like, instead of being the ones answering questions, oh, what's it like to be an Asian American in a church, right? Let us be the ones that are asking questions or directing the comments. This is what it's like. This is how you can better understand us. This is what our community needs to do to better understand you, right? And so let's do this and let's, let's, let's be the ones leading that charge. And we have that opportunity right now. Yeah, and I'd love to dive more into that, especially as your film does deal with the yellow, white, yellow, black, right? Like those different dynamics. What are some ways in which you've discovered or you've been thinking about of that? What is it that the API community has to, that the, that the rest of the American, the rest of the American community needs from us? I think uh, what, they, what we have 
that we haven't fully exposed yet is our stories. Um, there are, there's so, much, so many stories, so much history within just our group alone, but most of the other groups don't know about it. And that's why they don't understand. That's why there's this, this separation between us and the white community. There's a separation between us and the black community because both those communities don't really know us. And part of it is because we're not sharing it. We're not, we're not saying that whatever we have is significant. And so if we're able to share it, if we can build relationships together, um, that, that's going to help. Um, I think one of the biggest problems is we, we tend to self-segregate. And so that's why we have, you know, that's why people move into the most predominantly Asian areas when they live, right? Um, and so we get into this comfort zone where we now have an opportunity in America to choose where we live. Whereas 200 years ago, they just put us where they didn't want us to not be, right? It's like, Chinese people go over there, right? But now we, we can choose, but because there's more of us, we choose to, in that comfort zone to stay within ourselves. And then what that does is it closes off everyone else from understanding who we are. And the church has that same issue. Uh, we, we, the church should be open to everyone, yet we've already kind of segregated ourselves into these Asian churches, and we don't know really what to do with our second and third generation kids. Right? Are we going to still be catering to those immigrants, or are we going to cater to these second and third generation kids who have a lot of non-Asian friends? How do we cater to that? And how do we let their stories be important to their non-Asian friends? Yeah, I mean, I think community building. I mean, you kind of see that evidence in our film where there, there was a lot of cross-traffic, you know, between the communities. And, and in the, the Asian and black case, you know, we were very much in the same neighborhoods. And, you know, even though we weren't, you know, some people have friends. I mean, just like today, you know, you have different groups of friends. Like, some people have friends. Some people, you know, just, just were hanging out, you know, only, like, at work. Or, you know, there, there can be better, I think, bonds formed um, in general because, you know, like, like Baldwin said, especially if we're living in the suburbs, you know, we don't have to talk to each other. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, even as the Asian church, it's like, yes, you have to take care of your flock. And I understand that a lot of times the pastors and the leadership in, a, in an Asian American church is, they're already taxed to even think about beyond the walls of our church and trying to just keep and shepherd the flock. At the same time, I think there is this responsibility to engage with the rest of the community, to engage with a, a, a multi-ethnic, predominantly white church, to engage with a black church, and do things together. You know, And I think there's always this threat that people are going to lose members to congregations, or they don't know how to like bring in people. Like That doesn't have to be your goal. Your goal needs to just be help one another preach the gospel to whoever it is, and serve the community, love God, love people, and I think we can do a better job of doing that together as a collective church and in some partnerships. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times the churches now, they define themselves by their ethnicity. We're the Asian church, that's the white church, that's the black church. But really, our commonality isn't in our communities, our commonality is in our faith. And, but we're not realizing that's not, that should be our priority. That's the, you know, we believe in God, you believe in God, you believe in God, let's all come together and worship this God, right? And let's learn how to love people the way God wants us to love. But we are very focused on, well, I need to serve my Asian community. I need to serve my white community, serve the black community. And we don't realize that we all have that commonality and the most com the commonality is our faith. And that should be the driving force to bring us together rather than our race being the driving force to separate us and keep us separated. And it's funny because I think the person that does it best in the film is your grandfather. Right? <laughs> like, he was the right. most reconciling yeah, right. person 
right? And yet he was in Mississippi, right, and in that position. I would love to hear kind of your thoughts too about, you know, as right now our country is struggling to reconcile a lot of racial conflicts, um, I think your film is so powerful in that it is showing that picture, right? Um, what have you guys been experiencing and thinking and how has it been discovering this story changed your thought in terms of the role of Asian Americans in the reconciling of racial tensions in our country as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this idea that Asians were in the middle in the South in terms of between, stuck between black and white. Um, I think that is somewhat key in the sense that we have an opportunity to actually bring people together and have, in a sense, I would like to see our role elevated to that. And I think a lot of times our community hasn't seen this. You know, we've kind of stayed out of the way. It's like, okay, we'll just, you know, duke it out or, we're, or let, let other people duke it out, you know, whether it's black and white or, or whoever, and like, we're going to stay out of it. You know, we keep quiet, we do our thing, we stay in our lane, we're good. And we've realized during this pandemic, if we stay in our lane, it hasn't made a difference. People have now actually, there's been more vitriol and there's been more, you know, racism towards our community because we haven't shown people um, and interacted with other communities um, about um, our history and also just our humanity. And so I think in this time, especially with the church, you know, just as Baldwin was saying, because faith unites us, I think the Asian American church has a perfect opportunity to lead this conversation, to bring people together. And... You know, it's a unique it's a unique position because I think also understanding the history that we show in our film, you know, it's it's not just about the faith, but there's other things that connect us. There is a history in this country of discrimination. And I know that's also like a difficult thing for our community because we only want to spotlight the good things, right? Like, look at our successes. Look, we've overcome all this hardship as Americans. We didn't even speak English and look how successful we are. But to actually look historically and say like, there are systems in place especially in the immigration system that have been against us, especially going back to the Chinese Exclusion Act, which has a bit of a misnomer because by the early 1900s, the Exclusion Act actually expanded to, to ban um, all Asian countries from coming into to the United States. And so that's why you see the large surge after 1965 in this country of immigration. Um, but there, is, there were people that were here, and yet we were, we have, our histories have been erased or sidelined. And so I think as a church community, we can recover that. Again, not just the history as we think about in history books. We're not just talking elections and wars, but we're like the history of Christian Asian families. Like, you know, as we mentioned, there was Chinese Christian families in the Mississippi Delta. The church was instrumental in helping them build mission schools. Like that history hadn't been told a whole lot before. So how many other stories of what the church did? I mean, we heard this amazing story. We went up to Seattle. There was a Chinese Baptist church there. And there were riots. There were anti-Asian riots in the, 70s, the, the 1870s. Yeah, 1870s. So there was these angry mad mob of white people that were literally dragging Chinese people out of their houses and putting them on boats to ship them back to China. And the past the white pastor of the Baptist church in Seattle, this is this the story goes, after Sunday service, he finished his sermon, grabbed a shotgun, rounded rounded up some congregants and said, Hey, let's go down and help the Chinese. At this point, the church was not an Asian church. It was it was not the Chinese church, it was a, it was a white church. And so this white pastor went down to the docks and helped a bunch of Chinese, gave them refuge, and they started a Chinese mission church. That's how the church started, because the church was trying to fight back against the anti-Asian racism. So again, all this history is lost that the church has been the forefront of 
fighting racism and discrimination for a very, very long time. We just don't know about it. So I'd love to see the church, again, take up that mantle. Even in, we're talking about the segregated South. I mean, we hear about, you know, obviously there's a lot of racists that were sitting in church pews that were plantation owners. At the same time, a lot of church leaders, like the ones that helped start the mission schools, they were also at the forefront of fighting against um, segregation, trying to integrate schools. And so again, we don't hear about those stories. But a lot of church leaders have been at the forefront of trying to um, gain equality for our people because that's the right thing to do because God sees us all as equal. Wow. I want to hear all of those stories. <laughs> right? Like, um, there's yeah, so many more. There's so many. I mean, if there's any that come to mind right now, I would love to hear them because I never knew that story. We didn't know until we went um, showed up in, in show, showed up in Seattle. And in fact, you know, there's a there's a major. Um, Asian American Museum, Luke Wing Museum, um, I'm oh, sorry, Wing the Wing Luke Museum in, in Seattle, and it's the only Asian American museum, whereas the other museums are generally about like, Japanese American or Chinese American, and, you know, they have all these exhibits of, like, Buddhists and, you know, Hinduism and all these other, you know, Eastern religions. I'm like, how come there's nothing in this museum about any of the Asian American churches that we know have a strong presence in the history of Seattle? And that is... The important thing it's like oh you know we talked to the pastor like oh we have some stuff in our church like they have it in your church but how come the rest of the people don't know about this and there's so many stories like that all around the different cities in america in every state where there's been a presence of asians and even asian christians that i think is important to contribute to the general knowledge of the public wow i am now like wanting to tell my head pastor we should pay for historians yeah we're <laughs> like, like, yeah, learning like yeah the local university of the archivist is a local museum you know that what the church is doing here again documenting archiving it but sharing with local libraries you know like libraries become a, a local hub for as being a museum um mm -hmm. universities have archives i mean right write an op-ed for the newspaper because once it goes in there it's forever yeah, there's so many ways to make our stories more permanent, and that's another, you know, hope with, what, with our film is that inspires other people, as we said, to tell their stories, but to tell it in a public manner. You don't have to make a fancy documentary. You know, not everyone's filmmakers like us, but there are little ways, like he said, writing a newspaper article, contributing artifacts to, to local uh, museums and universities and libraries. I mean, those are the little things that we can do as a community to make our presence known so that, again, we start to have the general public not see us as foreign that we're part of the fabric of America, that we do belong, and we have a long lineage here that they need to know about. Wow, I'm inspired, <laughs> so inspired, um, and I hope that all of our viewers and our, our readers are gonna be inspired too. And so, you know, last question is, for those viewers and for those readers that are gonna watch this film and be like, I never knew this, hear this interview, and just like me, I never knew this, what's kind of your encouragement for those next steps, right? You've got your, your I don't know if average is a good word, right? But you got your average, right? Asian American Christian, um, and this is a whole new world for them. How do you, would you encourage them? This is how God wants you to keep going. First, first of all, I would just invite people to you know go to our website, farispeaksouth.com. We have resources there to help lead people to kind of get to understand the genealogy and resources of learning about family history and, and follow what we're doing. But of course, we have screening events listed on there, and you can find out how you can watch our film. Um, if you're in the university system, we're on Canopy, and so university students can generally get, get access to the film. Of course, contacting us directly to start maybe setting up some screening events um, as we continue to work on getting a more national and international uh, exposure to our film. But I think that's the first step is, you know, 
come to our website, look up our resources. They're there for people to, to learn more about themselves and, of course, to learn more about our film and how to watch it. Uh, and then there's some other steps we could do as well. Yeah, I mean, there's actually some kind of what I have to say, like plug and play opportunities for, for you to actually get your story out there. Um, one of them is the Tenement Museum in New York has a, a, a digital, digital exhibit called Your Story, Our Story, Your Story. Um, and we actually have a couple of art artifacts. You know, we took a picture of Baldwin's letterhead from his grandfather's store um, and another item. The Bible. the Bible. Oh, yes, the Bible. Um, so there's a photo of a Bible and the story behind it sitting on a digi digital archive for everybody to see. That's a, another way. And you can submit your stories through their website as well. Um, I believe there's a link on our website, yes, um, but you can go to the Tenement Museum to, to also find those links. And, you know, there's other opportunities like that um, to just be able to kind of plug and play. University of Minnesota also is collecting, like, immigrant stories, you know, of America. I mean, all of us are immigrants, except for the native, you know, indigenous people here. And so, no matter your, no matter your regardless of your ethnic background, like, they want to collect the stories of people here in America. Um, and so looking for those opportunities at various uh, museums and universities and digital archives to, again, just get it out there. Um, and just turn on your phone and push the voice recorder and just sit down and start talking to family members. And that you're already, you're already like documenting that. And what you do with that next, you know, there's so many creative ways you can do that. If you're, if you're a student, you can start writing your next paper or what next assignment may be centered around your family story. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can start putting some of this into practice. Wow. I look forward to the world in which we are going into. Um, and I'm so inspired by your film. Thank you so much for coming. Again, fariesdeepsouth.com. Uh, for all of those resources, and we'll link to it on Solar Network. Thank you again, Marisa and Baldwin, for sharing your stories and for sharing your film. Uh, and I hope that many of our viewers will be blessed by it.